Welcome to a podcast uh, of the Annals of Rheumatic Diseases uh, from the ACR meeting 2019. My name is Paul Sudenik and I'm sitting here with Atul Devdar. May I ask you to introduce yourself shortly? Hello, my name is Atul Devdar. I'm a professor of medicine at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon. And I have had a few presentations here at the ACR 2019 annual meeting. So our topics today would actually be um, in the indication of Kuselkuma in um, patients with psoriatic arthritis and there was uh, a nice uh, presentation on results of week 24 of a phase 3 randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study um, for uh, patients that were biologic naive or priorly treated with 10F inhibitors. So uh, may I ask you to uh, kind of present the hot findings of this trial? Yeah, so uh, just as a background, uh, guselcumab is a uh, fully human anti-interleukin 23P19 subunit monoclonal antibody. And we presented phase two results two years ago here at the American College of Rheumatology in 2017. And those results were uh, quite robust and positive. And based on that, it was decided to go ahead with a phase three program. And the phase three program had two studies, Discover 1 and Discover 2. The one which I presented and I'm going to speak about is the Discover 1, uh, which as Paul uh, introduced is a phase three uh, randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study in active psoriatic arthritis patients who were anti-TNF naive or anti-TNF experienced. Um, the Discover 2 was also presented in this uh, Congress, and that was a bigger study, also phase 3 study, that had radiographic outcomes were looked into that particular study. So Discover 1 uh, was a study on um, 381 patients with psoriatic arthritis, and they had active disease with three tender joints, three swollen joints. Uh, they had active psoriasis, or they had history of psoriasis, and then they were randomized to two Guselcumab doses versus placebo. One Guselcumab dose was uh, 100 milligrams subcutaneous at baseline, and then week four, and then every eight weeks. And the other dose of Guselcumab, which was tried, was 100 milligram of Guselcumab subcutaneous at week zero, and then every four weeks. So it was a double dose than the previous one. And then there was placebo. The primary endpoint was ACR20 response at week 24 and this was a one-year-long study. And what we found was that the ACR20 response at week 24 was met. The higher dose guselcumab had 59.4% of patients had ACR20 response compared to 22.2% of patients in the placebo. And even the lower dose guselcumab was 52% of the patients had ACR20 response. Uh, both these dosages were statistically significantly better. The interesting part of the study was when we uh, compared the patients who had no prior TNF exposure, uh, they of course had very good response to guselcumab compared to placebo, 60% uh, in the high dose, 50% in the low dose versus 24% in placebo. But even prior TNF inhibitor exposure patients, these were 30% of the patients in the trial had prior TNF inhibitor exposure, and in fact 10% of the patient had prior TNF inhibitor uh, exposure and they were inadequate responders. 
So in that group of patients, the ACR20 responses were still robust. The high dose group had 57.9% of the patients responding with ACR20 response. In the low dose, it was 56.1% of the patients responding with low response compared to 17.9% in the placebo group. The kinetics of the results show that it was quite quick and by eight weeks there was statistically significantly different uh, difference between the active drug and the placebo though of course these were unadjusted uh, nominal p-values. Uh, we looked at ACR5070 HAC-DI uh, which is for the function we looked at the skin and that was measured by the IGA investigator global assessment psoriasis uh, completely cleared or minimal we also looked at minimal disease activity the PASI responses all of these were statistically and clinically I should add significantly different from the placebo uh, just one example is PASI 100 this is 100% clearance and this was seen in 45% of patients um, in Guselcomab 100 milligram every four weeks versus 25.6 percent in the low dose guselcomab 100 milligram of guselcomab every eight weeks versus only six percent 6.4 percent of the patients in the placebo again showing that this is a pretty powerful drug on the skin uh, for the resolution of dactylitis and enthesitis we pooled the data from discover one and two uh, because there were uh, just to get the statistical power and complete resolution of dactylitis and complete resolution of enthesitis was also statistically significantly different from placebo by pulling these data. The safety findings were interesting in that they were the drug appears to be very safe. Uh, in fact, the infections were very similar between the active drug and placebo. So in conclusions, we found that both guselcomab dose regimens um, to be effective in biologic naive and patients who had experience with TNF inhibitors. Uh, the primary endpoint at, of ACR20 was met at week 24 and the major secondary endpoints uh, which were the IgA which is a skin response investigator global assessment, HACDI which is the function and quality of life which is SF36 ECS score. All of these were met. So thank you very much for providing these insights on the Guselcomab trial. Um, remaining in seronegative disease, uh, you had um, two presentations uh, with uh, indications in AXPA and both actually are interleukin-7 inhibitors like Ixekizumab and Secukinumab. Uh, so it would be of course uh, intriguing uh, to see the results of both of them uh, if they've been uh, similar or different? So we had uh, two presentations here, one on Ixekizumab um, and uh, the other one was on Sekikinumab. Both of these are on um, patients with non-radiographic uh, axial spondyloarthritis. So um, to uh, give you some uh, background about this, in the United States there is only one single drug approved for the treatment of non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis and that is sertolizumab and we, we had presented this data last year at this American College of Rheumatology annual meeting. Um, 
the reason why there is only one single drug approved in the United States, whereas multiple drugs are approved in Europe, um, is because FDA had concerns that non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. They thought that it was a self-limiting condition, and uh, that's why mandated that the studies in non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis should go for 52 weeks placebo control. And that's quite a bit of undertaking to do a 52-week placebo-controlled study. We first thought was going to be unethical, but then the FDA suggested that we can allow the patients to come out of the placebo group at any time during the study, and they can escape or they be rescued to active drug. And the only drug that actually did this 52-week placebo-controlled study was sertolizumab, and that drug got FDA approval. Since then. Two other companies came forward and did studies on their IL-17 inhibitor, ixikizumab and sekikizumab. So the interesting part of this, both these studies is that these are both 52-week placebo-controlled studies in patients with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. So the first study that I'm going to tell you about is ixikizumab in non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. This is a phase 3 trial. Uh, just to give you the key features, it's a 52-week placebo-controlled, as I said. The primary endpoint is ASAS-40 response at week 16 and week 52. It was a combined co-primary endpoint, reason being that the regulatory authorities outside of U.S., like the EMA, for example, they want week 16 results, whereas the regulatory authority in the U.S., which is FDA, wants week 52 results. So that was co-primary endpoints were tested here. The second uh, specialty or key feature of this study is changes in conventional background medication and convention, in fact, even biologic medication was allowed after week 16. Uh, now, of course, the patients who went on to receive open-label biologics after week 16 were treated as non-responders after the switch, but patients who changed their non-biologic background medication, they were allowed to change it at any time according to the advice that was received from the FDA, and those were not considered to be non-responders. So here, there were two dosages of ixikizumab tested against placebo. Ixikizumab, 80 milligram uh, subcutaneous every two weeks, and ixikizumab, 80 milligram subcutaneous every four weeks. So again, every two weeks, every four weeks. So uh, double dose uh, trial versus placebo. So uh, there were to a total 303 patients were randomized, equally divided into these three groups. The primary endpoint, as I said, is uh, ASAS 40 response at week 16 and week 52 as a um, to um, get approval from. Uh, both regulatory authorities, EMA as well as FDA. The secondary endpoints, major secondary endpoints, I should say, which were tested in a multiplicity um, uh, tested uh, sort of procedure, statistical procedure, hierarchical procedure, were SS40 at week 16 for USA, ASDAS change, the BASDI change from baseline, SF36 uh, change, proportion of patients achieving ASDAS less than 2.1, this is the low disease activity. And also importantly, we looked at the MRI, SIJ, spark change from baseline at week 16. So straight away jumping to the primary outcome, which is ASAS 40 response at week 16, it was in the range of 35 to 40 
for the active drug, 35 for the low dose, 40 for the high dose, compared to 19 for the placebo. And if you extend this to 52 weeks, which is a double-blind placebo control, then it was 30 for the active drug and 13 for the placebo. Um, the major secondary endpoints were all met also in this study, the SDAS change, BASDAI change, PASV, etc. And the safety of this drug was uh, already we know that IL-17 inhibitors might increase risk of uh, uh, inflammatory bowel disease or uveitis or candida, but that was not really seen. Candida infections were very similar in placebo uh, compared to the active drug and uh, inflammatory bowel disease was not there were just one case in placebo and one case in exekizumab. Uveitis was not different anyway. So, uh, so exekizumab, in conclusion, exekizumab was superior to placebo for improving signs and symptoms um, of this non-radiographic uh, axial spondyloarthritis patients. The primary endpoint and all major secondary endpoints were met for both dosages of exekizumab. There were no unexpected safety findings. Uh, and this was the first study that now shows blocking of IL-17A is a potential treatment for patients with non-radiographic axial spa. There was a second study called PREVENT study. This was on secukinumab in non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Secukinumab is another IL-17A inhibitor. And this was a very similar study to the exekizumab study that I spoke about. And this was a 52-week placebo-controlled study, the same endpoint ASAS-40 response at week uh, 52 and also at week 16 for the ex-US regulatory authorities and the results are very similar. The drug was um, significantly superior to placebo for ASAS-40 responses uh, at week 16 and week 52. Uh, in the same direction, all secondary endpoints were met. Uh, so both exekizumab and sakikizumab have now shown that they are uh, drugs to be, they can be used in non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Wonderful. Thank you very much for this concise overview on um, novel treatments and uh, phase three study results in seronegative arthritis.